This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. It's Let's ride. Time for the words that are recited before each and every game here at Dodger Stadium. Take it away, Finn. It's time for Dodger Baseball. What is going on, everyone? Hope you're doing well out there. Your Los Angeles Dodgers are on a roll right now. They're 94 and 53. They're going to either be a game and a half or a game back, it's looking like, of the San Francisco Giants. We'll keep you updated on the score as we record. The Dodgers have won six games straight. They've clinched their ticket to the postseason. Today we're joined by Chris Camello. You might know him as the host of Camello's Corner and the Showtime Forum. And he's also a reporter for Nightcast Media. Thank you so much, Chris, for joining us today. How's everything going for you? Doing well, man. Doing well. Thanks for having me on. Quite, quite the intro. Your check is in the mail. <laughs> well, thank you. David Rosenthal, what's been going on? I know the last time we talked, you were a little bitter, but the Dodgers haven't lost straight. They haven't lost Yeah, straight. Yeah, I'm doing good. I, you know, the Dodgers can make me bitter from time to time, but I think I'm entitled to that. Doing much better. They've won six in a row. Uh, looking like they're going to be one back, barring a Giants comeback in today's game. So more optimistic than normal honestly but we'll see we got this i think this weekend is going to be the key honestly you got uh dodgers taking on the reds and then the giants uh taking on the braves so i think this is gonna be the weekend where we kind of decide and see what happens yeah we'll see the dodgers swept the san diego padres for the second time in a row and then they swept the last place arizona diamondbacks but jake reiner what are your early takeaways that you want to get started on the show I, I can only sense myself getting pre angry for the one game playoff uh, for the wild card because the, the way it's set up is just absolutely ridiculous. I mean, in no other sport do you see the teams with the two best records in the entire sport having to potentially face a one game elimination. I mean, at no other point in any other sport do you see that. Now, granted, with football, it's a one game elimination kind of setup there. But at least if you have the best record, you get a buy and, and there's some sort of perks there. But in baseball, the way it's set up is just is just atrocious. I think they should go, uh, you know, the way that basketball goes, where you have certain, you know, different divisions. But ultimately, it's the best eight teams in each conference. And then you basically reseed depending on who has the best record. And then you don't have this, you know, one game elimination where one of the best teams could get knocked out of the playoffs. And, you know you could go a step further to say that it's super unfair. Let's say the Dodgers advance or the giants advance. Then those two teams are playing each other in the division series, which you don't want to mm -hmm. see that in the first round either. So yep. I'm just getting pre angry over here. <laughs> yeah. it's a great. It's a great point, Jake. And like I've pointed out to you guys, the only other scenario that comes close to what the Dodgers and the giants are going through was back in 2018. Remember the Boston Red Sox won 108 games. 
The second best team that year in the American League was the New York Yankees, who won 100 games. Yankees had to take on the Oakland A's in the wild card game. What was their reward? Taking on the Boston Red Sox in the, in the divisional round. And at the time, I remember people saying, there has to be a stipulation that Major League Baseball should explore should a situation like this arise again. It didn't happen in 2019, 2020. There were more teams uh, in the playoffs because of the pandemic. Remember, everyone had to play that crazy three-game wild card round, and then whoever won that gone on, went on to the NLDS. But now this situation rears its ugly head again. And it's like there has to be a stipulation where it goes, I agree, Jake, by record. Not so much about, well, these are the two wildcard teams. That's how we're going to do it. There has to be some fine print on that because otherwise a really good team is going to get knocked out potentially sooner than, uh, than they should get it. Look at the Braves, for example. They, they're what, like six, seven games above 500, and they got a five-and-a-half game lead, and they're going to get home field in, in a potential first-round matchup? That doesn't make sense. Dodgers would be up 14 games in that division. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, there's other divisions that are, that are even higher. Yeah, uh, look at Chicago, White Sox yep. in the AL Central. Yep, uh, but it's you know they've talked about the proposal of maybe next year with the new CBA making a seven teams in each league make the playoffs, where the first team would get the bye, and then the other six would play, and then then the bracket would go to the NLDS. Basically, it would be very Dodgers to get the last wild card ever as a hundred plus win team and lose in the first round of the you know the wild card. It would be very Dodgers, right. but I'll get into it later. I think even if we get in the wild card game, I'm not scared of St. Louis and I'm not scared of Cincinnati. I'm just and not. one and what, yeah, and those are good points. And one more thing I wanted to point out to you guys, this is not, you know, I know we think this is new because the Dodgers have been division winners. They have had situations like this where it was win and move on game 163, 2018 against the Colorado Rockies, a win got you home field against the Atlanta Braves, a loss got you into the wild card game on the road in Chicago. And guess what? Walker Bueland went out there, did his thing at the ravine. They knocked out Colorado. 2018, Game 7, winner goes on to the uh, World Series. Bueller again comes through. Bellinger and Puig with big hits. And then, of course, who could forget last year being down three games to one. Bellinger and Kike Hernandez come through with big home runs. And it was a one-game situation. Win, and you move on to the World Series. So this is not new where the Dodgers would be in a corner where it's like you win or you're out sort of a thing. So that's yeah. why I think in a wild card situation, yes, it's not ideal. You have no room for error, but that's when this team has really come to play and actually played some of their best baseball and had some of their most clutch moments. I still say the Dodgers will win this division. I like where we are. As Dave Roberts would say, I like them in that spot. Yeah. <laughs> I want to start the show off by talking about Max Muncy, who's now up to 34 home runs on the season. He's just one behind, tying his career high, which he achieved twice in 2018 and 2019. He's got five big bombs in the month of September. And the thing that seems to help rejuvenate the bat is borrowing his teammate, Albert Pujols, bat. Yeah, that was really cool to see. And I actually tuned in a little too late, and I thought it was this like really cool like ninja spy like being like, oh, my God. It, the, the knob of the bat says 55. It must be Pools' bat. Did he hit a home run with pool? And I, you know, obviously figured it out from everyone uh, commenting on my tweet there, but yeah, that was just such a cool moment. And for, for Max Muncy to hit 
two home runs with that bat is, is extra special. I mean, he has been um, our offensive MVP throughout the entire year and he continues to carry. And I will say a point out again, you know, I predicted that he would have 30 plus home runs over hundred RBIs. I just felt that um, last year just didn't really match with what we know Muncie's capable of. And so this year has been, you know, really, really special for him. He's gotten hot the last 15 days too. Uh, you know, he was struggling there for about three to four weeks on hitting under 200 OPS in the 600s last 15 days. His OPS is near 800. Uh, his average is up 30 points compared to what it was, uh, 30 days ago. He's hitting home runs. He's barreling the ball. He's smiling more. Uh, and he, he looks good. He looks very good. He's, he's heating up at the perfect time. Definitely. The one thing I've said about Max Muncie this entire season is he is a stabilizing force in that lineup. A guy who can drive in runs, hit home runs, kind of an old school first baseman. When you think about it, you yep. remember back in the nineties, early two thousands, you had the Frank Thomas's, the Albert Pujols, Pujols in his younger days, of course, with the Cardinals guys that in a lineup were going to do two things. They were going to mash and they were going to drive in runs. They Jim weren't going to, oh, yeah, Jim Tomey, of course. I mean, I, Paul Canerico, I mean, we, yeah. the list goes on and on. But the one aspect I think about Muncie is, yes, he's going to struggle. But when he sees a pitch, he ain't going to miss very often. And that's the one thing that hasn't really been talked about much is despite those struggles, he may, I think he had a stretch of two for 29. And guess what? Two of those hits probably left the yard. He's still going to walk. He's still going to have good at bats. He's still going to grind, uh, grind the opposing pitcher out. And that's really all you ask for. You know, a lot of times when guys struggle, they're going to press, they're going to swing early. They're going to, they're going to try to force it. Muncie's patience really hasn't wavered much, even amidst his struggles. I think he deserves to be a national league MVP finalist this year. And I'm glad to see he has bounced back this year year after a, a really poor 2020. I'm glad you guys pointed that out. Max Muncy leads the team with a 147 WRC plus weighted runs created. Will Smith is second, 143. Any guesses who's third on the Dodgers in that category? For the season? Yeah, for the season. I mean, probably Mookie Betts, no? There it is. Mookie yep. Betts, 142. Ever since Dave Roberts moved him back into the leadoff role, He's been on a tear. He's 10 for his last 26. That's a 385 batting average. And he's got 18. He's reached 18 bags. He's been on fire earlier in the season. A lot of people questioned what happened to his pop, his power. Well, he's up to 21 home runs now. He's got 100, 111 hits. And the war is up there, too. I'm not going to say he's 2018 Mookie Betts, where everything is just going his way and he's perfect. But given the circumstances of the bad hip and other little nagging injuries, he's been a damn good player this season. I love, I love it when Dave Roberts makes the obvious move. Like it just, it makes my day. I, I don't like it when he tries to get cute or tricky. And this is one of those moves that just made all the sense in the world. We talked about 2020. Remember at the beginning of 2020, when he was experimenting, having Muncie lead off and Mookie bets bat second, and it just wasn't working out. And then as soon as he put Mookie in the leadoff spot, he just figured it out. He was a 2018 MVP as a leadoff hitter. So we got to keep that in mind. We got to remember that the next time they want to experiment. And with Trey Turner, he's been so good. It doesn't really matter where you put him in the lineup. So I don't mind him hitting third with Mookie Betts leading off. And the other cool thing is, is that Mookie's actually stealing bases. 
which is something that he didn't do uh, in the beginning part of the season. Um, maybe, you know, his injuries, maybe he's feeling a little healthier, but he definitely is, you know, he's, he's got that speed back. And, you know, once he has that, look out. He looks as good as he's looked all year, period. Uh, I mean, his OPS is 9-10 the last 15 games. He's hitting the ball. He's not just hitting homers, but he's hitting doubles. He's not just hitting, you know, home run or bust. He's getting on base. Like you guys said, leadoff is the spot for him. I don't love Trey Turner in the three hole. If it was up to me, I'd probably put him in the two spot. Yep. Follow it up with Muncie, uh, Smith, Turner in, in some order, Seager. Uh, but look, Trey Turner, you can put him anywhere in the lineup and it'd still, it'd still work out. Whereas I don't love Mookie hitting third either. I like him at the top, either one or two. So they'll figure it out. Frankly, it doesn't matter as long as these guys keep hitting. Doesn't matter where they're. Doesn't matter where they are in the lineup. Oh, I agree. Uh, I you know when I saw the acquisition of Trey Turner and with Mookie, I felt one and two in some combination. Yeah. Put Mookie in leadoff spot or Trey Turner, and then whoever isn't hitting leadoff, put them in the two hole, followed by Justin Turner, Max Muncie, Seager, Smith, etc., Pollock, and then of course Taylor and Bellinger. It. I, I kind of wanted to see a dynamic that Charlie Manuel used to do with the Phillies. Remember, it used to be Jimmy Rollins at the leadoff spot, followed by Victorino, Utley, Howard, Worth, Burl, et cetera. I wanted to see something like that. But Dave has gotten a little bit more creative. He likes the right, left, right, left. Trey Turner seems to be responding well at that three spot. So what doesn't, hey, what's not broke, don't fix it. And uh, I, I like what we're seeing now. And, and Mookie seems to be really getting back to his old self. And, and like you said, Jake, the fact that he's healthier, that hip seems to be a lot better. He just seems to be in a better place physically and mentally. We could say the same thing about Corey Seager. We could say the same thing about a lot of these players who have had really difficult seasons. But now I think they see the light at the end of the tunnel. They see the finish line. They're like, you know what? Let's try to go all out. Let's treat this month like October. And they basically have, you know, forget the competition. You still have to go out there and get 27 outs. You still got to go out there and be one run better than the other team. And so far they, they've been able to do that. And the ice tray, man, that's what I've been calling him. The ice tray. <laughs> I hate to steal that nickname away from Trey young in Atlanta, but you know what? Trey Turner has been as smooth and as cold as ice at times. He's been fantastic. What a pickup. This will make David happy. They've been grooming this man in the outfield down in AAA. They called him, recalled him about a week ago. Ever since they recalled Gavin Lux from OKC, he's seven for 17. That's a 412 batting average, and he has a 524 on base percentage. He's filled the void when Chris Taylor went down with an injury, as well as AJ Pollock. David, the floor is yours on the Gavin Lux show. Yeah, I mean, I, I sound like a broken record, but he's got the talent. He's always had the talent. It's Whenever he struggled, it's always been – it's come down to one thing, and that's confidence. When he's not confident, he's not going to succeed. And what you're seeing now is he's a confident uh, confident player in the batter's box. The defense in left field could use some work. He's almost killed a couple of our outfielders, but it'll, it'll improve. But in the batter's box, he looks like he knows he's going to get on base. And frankly, that's exactly what he's been doing, whether it's getting singles, uh, doubles, or walking, and then utilizing his speed. Uh, we saw the other night he uh, – I think he stretched a single into a double tagged up and then tagged up again. Uh, so he's a weapon. It's just a matter of confidence for him. That's literally all it comes down to. All he's got to do is be confident. And if he's confident, he's going to have, you're, you're going to see the results. You're not the number two overall prospect in baseball for no reason. You're just not. All right. Anything else on Lux? 
Yeah, uh, I, I'm sorry, J- Jake. I, I was waiting for you to go there that time, but I'll, uh, I'll, I'll let me just let me just jump in on this. The one thing I've noticed about Gavin Lux when he's had successes, it's been because he's starting every day, and whether that's at shortstop or left field, when he is starting every day, that's when he's been more productive. He has not been very good as a part-time player or a late-game substitution. When Corey Seager was out that first month that he was gone with that broken wrist, I thought Lux played some of his best baseball as a Dodger. Clutch hits, even solid defensively at times. When he's been a part-time player, it's when he's really struggled. Now, I don't think he'll ever be a great defensive player. You only hope he could be a somewhat average defensive player. But then again, we've seen guys make improvements as their career goes on. See Max Muncy. Max Muncy did not come in as a good defensive player at all. And now you could say his defense is not only average, maybe even above average, and he could play multiple positions. So Lux, you're kind of hoping that same thing. Can he play shortstop a little bit? Can he play left field a little bit? Can he be good enough in those spots? I'm not saying he's got to go out there and be a gold glover by any means. Just go out there, make the easy play, Get your reps in, and like you said, David, don't kill or at least maim any of our other outfielders like <laughs> yeah. Chris Taylor or Cody Bellinger. But outside of that, I'm glad to see this kid coming into his own. It takes time to come into – it takes time to really get that confidence as a baseball player, even if you are a highly touted prospect. You're coming up with the big boys. You're going to have a lot of lows, and it's how you respond to that that reveals your true character and who you are as a baseball player. And – if he could just work on that, the consistency, grinding out at bats, putting in the reps, and don't get down uh, when things get hard, he's going to be fine. He's going to be fine. All right. Last player I just wanted to spotlight real quick, and then we have a question from the audience. Justin Turner, he's up to 25 home runs. He's been kind of sneaky hot lately, and this is the perfect time of the year for him to roll into October. You know, his career high is 27 home runs. He did that twice. Do you think he can get to 27 home runs or surpass that once again? Don't know, but I like what I've been seeing from Justin Turner as a late. I also just love all of our old guys just being elite. Like J- Justin Turner, Kenley Jansen, uh, Kershaw came back off the IL. Looked like he didn't miss any time. Yep. Um, this, is, this has been such a great sight to see. And what a, you know, return on investment from the Dodgers in Justin Turner. A lot of people in the offseason, you know, Kevin was was saying that maybe it was it was time to let him go or he could live without him. Or he said something to that effect. But I've I, I've always trusted Justin Turner. He's probably one of my favorite uh, Dodgers on the team, and he's showing why he deserves to be there still. And he has been incredible uh, throughout the season. But like you said, he's been hot. It feels like every you know every time you need a home run, he's there to provide that for you. Um, so I, I couldn't be be happier with the way Justin Turner's been playing. I couldn't be happier with the way Corey Seager's been playing. Not yep. we know the offense is there, but the defense has been solid too. I'll be you know the first one to say that. It was one thing that I was really harping on him for forever, but pretty you know as recently as this year. But the defense has been solid. Uh, it's still. Scares me to death every time he goes after a ball backhanded, but you know, that's just his style. Um, and, and the only guy that I'm, uh, that I'm still concerned with is Cody Bellinger. And I'll just say really briefly, I'm not sure how he's hitting in BP, but man, he is missing a lot of balls that are just right down the middle or, or seemingly balls that would, that he would love to hit. And he's just not hitting them. And it just makes absolutely no sense. Um, I wonder if he's, you know, 
mashing and batting practice or not, but I guess that doesn't really matter when you're, when you're not really hitting in the game. So he's really the only one that I'm concerned about with this offense. Justin Turner is the soul of this team. We've said it for years. You know, I talked about Muncie being a stabilizing force this season for the Dodgers. Justin Turner has been the stabilizing force for this Dodger team really the last five seasons. When he go, uh, when he is on and he goes, guess what? The rest of the team is going to go. He's got power. He could drive the ball into the gaps. He's had a couple of big time game winning hits. Yeah, the defense has kind of waned. It's not he's not the third baseman that he once was two, three, four years ago. But he's still a damn good defensive third baseman. And you just love the steady as she goes presence. It just seems like in his sleep. He's going to give you 20 to 23 home runs, 75 to 85 runs batted in, and he's going to hover around 300. And guess what? When the postseason comes around, that is when he's going to come up with another clutch hit for you. So I love what JT has done. I, I was entertaining the thought, and I know you guys are probably going to crush me for this. I said, if he walks, would it be the worst thing in the world knowing you got Eddie Rios ready to go to maybe take over third base? Man, oh man, was I wrong on that. But I'm glad I was. Rios had an awful season. Then he had the, the torn labrum that required season-ending end, surgery. Where would the Dodgers be without Justin Turner this season? And, and another great thing is he's finally been able to stay healthy. No real hamstring issues. No, no uh, you know, uh, balls off the wrist that's forced him to miss significant time. So it's been, it's been great to see him uh, uh, really kind of carry out his great legacy over these last seven years as being one of the most prolific infielders and hitters in the game. So uh, re really like what I've seen from JT. And like you said, Jake Bellinger is the last piece of this puzzle as far as it goes, uh, as far as the offense goes, because if he could try to get himself on track these next two weeks, I'm not even saying going from 160 to 250, 160 to 200, drive in some runs, get on base, you know, bunt, bunt your way aboard. Like Brandon belt did last night, the shift was to the right. Guess what? I'm going to, uh, I'm going to have a, uh, a running bunt and try to use my wheels to get on base, do little things like that. Just like a struggling shooter. Once you see the ball go through the, through the net with a free throw or, or a layup, it's going to open up other things for this guy. And it's just been a nightmare season uh, for, for belly. And I just hope he gets in, uh, on track in time, but even if he doesn't you got Taylor and Pollock, hopefully coming back where maybe you could, Yay, Belly, why don't you sit this game out, you know? <laughs> yeah, one thing on Bellinger real quick is he's changed his approach and he's changed his stance. Uh, he's, he's made slight adjustments to his stance. He's changed his bat. He's changed his hand placement on the bat. He's choking up a little bit more on the bat. Uh, and we've seen, albeit very minimal, but we've seen somewhat of an improvement. Uh, he's making productive outs. He's seeing more pitches in the, in the at bat. He's not just popping up on the first pitch of these at bats anymore. Uh, it's gonna, it's, it's extremely tough to change your stance at all. And let alone in the middle of a season, it's, it's not going to be just, you know, back to 2019 MVP version. Uh, so all we need from him is, is basically what he's been doing, frankly, uh, productive outs, productive at bats. You're going to hit seventh or eighth in the lineup. We're not going to expect huge things out of you. Just have some productive at bats. That's all. That's all they're asking from him this year. And I think we've seen over the last week. Uh, I think we've seen that. I'll take the lead on this question. It's from our good friend, Dusty Baker TV. He's asking us, why do the Dodgers make me feel confident one week and then depressed the next? So a week ago, you know, the Dodgers, they had a bad road trip. Three wins, four losses, a little bit discouraged, but 
you know, for the most part on my end, this team has not really discouraged me one bit. You know, I could date probably back to April and May. I was probably a little disappointed with their slow start, but you got to remember they were playing guys like DJ Peters, Luke Rayleigh, Sheldon Noisy. They were experimenting with some bullpen guys. Vesia wasn't ready. Clevenger had some off days. The list goes on. My point is, let's go back to where we are right now. The Dodgers have 94 wins. To put that in perspective, in 2017, September 15th, when the Dod- of 2017, the Dodgers had, that team had 95 wins. So you're telling me that this team is just one game behind that team's pace, given all the injuries and whatever BS has gone our way this season? You guys can disagree if you want or put your perspective into things, but I think we've been having a fantastic season. I will go more in depth in the pitching in a little bit, but all things aside, I think this is one of the best Dodgers teams we've had in a long time. And I know a week ago, Jake asked, you know, does it feel like we really had a great month of August? And I think he kind of was gelling September into that blend, but I straight up said, yeah, I remember the month of August going really well because the Dodgers, I think went 21 and six. I remember sweeping the Braves. I remember handing it to the Padres. The list goes on. And I, you know, there are bad series. They're going to have a few, but that's baseball for you. It's a long season. They're not going to win 20 games straight. They're going to have three game losing streaks, et cetera. But it's a marathon, not a sprint. I, since, since you uh, mentioned my name, I'll respond. Um, what I think, and, and I've had time to think about this, and I've been one of the more, more critical fans, I guess you could say, of this particular 2021 team, you got to remember that how, how long has it been since the Dodgers really had any type of competition in the NL West? Let's just forget 2018 for a minute. Cause that was a weird year. But if you look over the last decade or so, the Dodgers really haven't had any real competition challenging them for the division. And I think the only reason we looked at this team negatively was because the Giants were doing freakishly freakish things on their on their side of the ball. And I think that's the only reason why we we have been as critical as we've been because as good as the Dodgers have been, they've still needed to be better than they are to beat the Giants. And that's a weird situation uh for this generation of Dodgers fans to be a part of. I remember even before this stretch with with Dave Roberts and, and and Don Mattingly a little bit where we would have losing seasons and we would have really mediocre 80 win teams or teams that would barely make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Like th- we got to remember those times and and how spoiled we've been since they've been on this insane run of nine straight postseason appearances, eight straight division titles. Um, that we just all have to put that in, into perspective, including myself, because I remember, you know, calling this team out. I put out a tweet a few weeks ago that it just didn't feel like our year. It just didn't feel like this team was going to be able to do it. And I hope I'm wrong about that. I'm feeling a little more confident than I was a few weeks ago, but I think as Dodgers fans, we just need to put everything into context. Um, yeah, I think that those are great points. Another aspect, Jake, I, I think we need to talk about was the absurdly high expectations that this team had coming into the 21 season. They're going to win 115 games. They're going to win 120 games. And I said to myself, okay, everybody just pump the brakes a little bit. It's a long season. They're coming off of a championship. 
And everything is based on what again? Health. Because I look at the Lakers in another sport. Everyone was expecting them to be the number one team in the Western Conference. What we didn't account for were the injuries and how that could take a toll on you, especially when you're missing some of your best guys. So the, the Dodgers have been without a healthy Mookie. They've been without a healthy Corey Seager. Bellinger missed all that time. Plus, he was coming off the shoulder surgery. Uh, Trevor Bauer with his off the, off the field issues. Kershaw went down. Uh, I mean, there's just, yeah, Justin May, you lost him for the season. Gonsolin has not been the same. You, you didn't have certain relievers uh, in there like Joe Kelly. Canable missed th- three months. So, I mean, everybody at one aspect or another seemed to go down. And I'm sure I'm leaving other guys out. Combine that with the fact that you have a target on your back because you are the champs. The hunters become the hunted. And the fact that the Giants were doing so well and the Padres were having uh, a lot of success early on in the season, it made everybody more anxious, more frustrated, more angry. Because on the one hand, it's like we don't really have a lot of room for error because all these teams are coming after us, especially in our own division. And two, uh, it's like, man, these guys are better than this. We shouldn't be losing three out of the four to the Miami Marlins. We shouldn't be sweeping the Padres and then come back home and lose two out of three to the Rockies. But hey, that's baseball for you. That's just the nature of the beast. Look at the Yankees. They won 13 in a row. People didn't think they were going to uh, lose another game. Guess what? They ended up losing uh, like six out of their next seven. That is the dynamic of baseball. It is a roller coaster ride. There are times you're going to be the hottest team for weeks, maybe even the whole month. And then other months where, guess what? You're going to be two for August. That is the nature of the game. So myself included, I agree with you, Jake. I've been hard on them as well. And they've given up a lot of games that they should have won, especially in extra innings. But when you still look back, 94 and 53, all you, you take could, that, you take that every time. You take that every time considering what they've gone through. So all the criticisms of players, coaches, Dave Roberts, Andrew Friedman, uh, for you know, a lot of people are like, what's Friedman doing? He's not doing anything. Give it time. Be patient because things happen when they're supposed to happen, not necessarily when we want them to happen. Yeah. You know, Vegas, the over-under, I believe, was 103, and it's looking like Vegas might win that one because it looks like the Dodgers are on a 103 win pace. That would be a success at this rate. Last thing I wanted to say is keep in mind the Dodgers have used 36 different major league pitchers on their roster this season. That is just bonkers. And they've yeah. managed, most of them have managed to do a pretty damn good job. Clayton Kershaw made his return off the IL. He had not pitched for the Dodgers since July 3rd against the Nationals. Well, he looked pretty good in his return. Went four and a third innings, gave up four hits, one earned run, five strikeouts, threw 50 pitches. Now that the Dodgers have a five-man rotation once again, it's just really nice to see Clayton Kershaw back. Yeah, it's also nice to see a five-man rotation. Jesus taken a long time and i know that we'll probably see you know more bullpen games from from here on out but it just it's just so much better without that bullpen game it really is i've hated that since the beginning and i'm, I'm happy to see kershaw pitch well um it was cool to see uh matt stafford in the stands uh cheering on his boy uh after a huge win uh w- with the rams taking out the bears um Pretty cool to be an LA sports fan at this at this particular moment, um, and then Tony Gonsolin too has looked a lot sharper uh, and has been able to give uh, Dave Roberts a, 
a lot more innings than I, than I think he expected him to. Um, so to have those guys back is just huge. I'm excited that Kershaw's back and he looked pretty damn good. Uh, you know, given the circumstances, uh, the velo wasn't ideal, but it also wasn't bad. Uh, first outing back, they didn't push him too hard. You know, he went four and a third, 50 pitches. So I'd like to see his next start get, get to five innings for sure. Maybe 70 pitches. Uh, because if you're going to use him in the playoffs, there's no time to do a slow, slow burn here on the ramp up. You got to go, you can't go from 50 pitches to 55 pitches his next outing or 60. You got to, you got to get this up to, you know, close to a hundred within the next two weeks, his next, you know, two, two starts probably. Uh, and I'm sure he'll be the one to tell you that, but on the, on the topic of the bullpen games, as, as unenjoyable as they are, they've actually been working way more often than they haven't. I'm not uh, saying that they that they've been unsuccessful. I'm just saying yeah. the domino effect of using all your bullpen in one game Agreed. sets up. That's that's all I'm saying. But I, I completely agree. But you know, if even if Kershaw, you know, maybe doesn't get to 100 pitches, if he can give you four innings in the playoffs of you know one run or shutout ball, you take that every day of the week. Yeah. Uh, because they've they've shown that over this year they can win these bullpen games. And if you have a bulk guy like Clayton Kershaw who can give you four innings, uh, maybe maybe you use Gonsolin or Mitch White to, to tandem, maybe for one or two more innings there. And then you go to high leverage guys like Vasia, Trinan, and Jansen. That's a game right there. That's that that is a blueprint for a win, uh, as long as these guys execute. So you know what you're gonna get from Bueller, you know what you're gonna get from Scherzer, which is like the best pitcher of all time right now. Uh, and then Julio Arias, who has 18 wins on the year uh, and has looked good. Uh, so they, they got the pieces, they, they have the pieces and the bullpen game, you know, let's say you get into the seven game series, you need that four starter. You're not going to be affected by the bullpen game because you're going to get innings from Bueller, Scherzer and Arias. Yeah. And I talked about Bellinger being the final piece of the Dodger offense. Well, Clayton Kershaw, I've been saying this for weeks is the final piece of the Dodger rotation. It's great to see him back. And what a luxury, a former Cy Young award winner, a former MVP to be your game four starter. I mean, come on, Hall of Famer too. Yeah. A Hall of Famer future. I mean, probably him and Max Scherzer, probably one and two of the best pitchers of the last 10 years. I mean, let's just call it what it is. These two guys have been the model of consistency for future aces to come up behind them and still in their thirties, early to mid thirties. And I know Scherzer's actually now in his late thirties, but uh, he's just been tremendous. And David, you took the words right out of my mouth. If Clayton Kershaw can give you four innings, then you could turn it over to Gonsolin for one or two innings, or depending on the matchup, turn it over to David price for, for an inning or two. I know price, you know, wasn't really sharp in his uh, uh, loan outing against the Arizona Diamondbacks, but still a guy that could eat up innings. And if he's got it rolling, he could still get guys out. So uh, then you turn it over to the Joe Kellys, the Bickfords, the Vasillas, trying in, et cetera, Kenley Jansen in the ninth inning. But Clayton Kershaw as that fourth starter, I mean, that's that's huge right there. And you know Clayton's going to want to go out there, especially after seeing those other three guys in a series, hopefully a series, uh, and, and he sees those guys do well, he's going to be like, oh, hell no. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make you guys remember who the heck I am. Just like Kevin Durant once said, I'm still Kevin Durant. I want to see Kershaw look at a reporter and say, Hey, I'm still Clayton Kershaw. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that'd with be awesome. Guys. I agree with all your guys' points. I'm pretty fired up for this question. So I want to get this one going. The dude is 63 asks, what is it going to take to keep Max Scherzer in LA? 
Well, for me, he is the number one priority. The number one. You pay him whatever he asks. He's given me flashbacks to Randy Johnson when he signed with the Arizona Diamondbacks. I believe Johnson himself was 36 or 37. And we know the rest of the story. Won multiple Cy Youngs, 2001 World Series MVP. Scherzer is better than I could have ever imagined. You know, eight starts with the Dodgers now. He's 6-0, and an 088 ERA, an 066-7 whip. He's the lowest... He has the record for the lowest ERA in the modern era since they've been keeping track of the ERA stat for a pitcher's first eight starts with the team. And I already said in 088, out of nowhere now, he is the leading Cy Young Award contender. He has the best ERA overall with a 217 ERA. And in his last start, he took a perfect game into the eighth inning. Unfortunately, you know, Eric Hosmer broke it up, but it was against the Padres who have a respectable lineup. He's been mowing down every team. He's a force out there. I thought Bueller was the number one guy, but Mad Max is making a statement and he might have to be our game one starter, whatever round it is, because he's doing all the right things right now. Well, I'm glad you, I'm glad you mentioned that because I, I, I am now conflicted because I, I don't know how I would set it up if the Dodgers, for the sake of argument, have to go for a one-game wildcard playoff. Do you start Bueller in that game? I think all of us, if you ask us at the beginning of the season, I mean, obviously we didn't have Scherzer then, but even when we got Scherzer, I think all of us were in agreement that it should be Bueller still. But I don't know. I mean, you need to win that game. And obviously this is an embarrassment of riches type of thing where you, you can't go wrong with either one, but who would you guys go with at this point? I, th- I think it has to be Scherzer. Wild card game. I'm still going Bueller. I'm sorry. Uh, you know, Scherzer's definitely been the guy, but you know, fate of the universe on the line. I want Walker Bueller. Yeah, I, I think Bueller is a solid choice, but also too, don't forget what Dave Martinez did in the 2019 wildcard game. I want to say Max Scherzer started that game and Strasburg finished it out. And considering now that you have a healthy Clayton Kershaw, if you want to go that route and burn both of those guys in the wildcard game, Julio Urias as a game one starter and then Kershaw as a game two starter wouldn't be the worst dynamic in the world. And yeah. then guess what? Potentially you have... Bueller and Scherzer to close it out for you uh, in, in that series. So I think you could theoretically use both. And I think that's an avenue Dave might want to consider because it did work for the Nats in 2019. I just don't want to see Kershaw out of the bullpen. We won't. I really pick, an, pick another starter other than him. And I'm good with that. With Jake that. still has PTSD from yeah, 2019. Exactly. Yeah. I do. I, I think you could see Julio Rios coming out of the bullpen in the wild card game. I that's what play. I would do. I would not sleep yeah. on that possibility. Yeah, that's yeah. what I would do as well. We don't know what Bueller's like out of the bullpen. So yep. don't want to don't want to test it in that moment. Right. But Scherzer does have experience coming out of the pen. Yeah. True. Yeah. I think if they were to do that, they would start Bueller and then go to Scherzer. Yeah. And also, too, just to let you guys know about the contract situation, keep this name in mind. Lance Lynn just got a two year extension from the White Sox, two for thirty eight and a half million. What it's going to take to get. Max Scherzer back in LA and keep him in Dodger blue. It's going to take between a two-year deal between 50 and $60 million in my opinion. And one of the X factors to keeping Scherzer in LA 
is going to be the ability to get out from underneath the Bauer contract. Now, Bauer's got a $45 million player option, not team option, player option for the 22 season. Now, obviously, all of that is based on what happens with the investigation from the MLB and, and LA County, if charges are going to be pressed and whatnot, we'll don't want to get too deep into that. But if you could somehow get out from underneath that contract and use those potential resources to keep Max Scherzer and Dodger blue, kind of like what Samuel L. Jackson did in, uh, in Jackie Brown, I want to take that hundred thousand dollar bond from Beaumont and move it right along to Jackie. That's what the Dodgers I'm sure want to do. So, uh, I would love to see Mad Max finish out his career as a Dodger, but who knows? Because he may end up leading the starting pitching free agent market this winter, where a lot of teams may decide to throw a lot of money and even years at him. So, but that's the number I came up with, guys. Oh, I absolutely agree. I think it's going to take a minimum of thirty million annually to keep Max Scherzer back in Los Angeles. It could be a two-year deal. It could be a three-year deal. I already compared him to Randy Johnson earlier. And just the way he's pitching right now, it looks like he has a good three or four years left in him. And Dodger fans are going to hate me for saying this, but if Clayton Kershaw and Max Scherzer demand the same contract and we don't get off the hook from Trevor Bauer for whatever reason, I'm really sorry, Clayton Kershaw, but Max Scherzer, the money is yours. All right, so here's where I stand with this. Trevor Bauer is going to get suspended. That's, I don't know how long, but that asshole is going to get suspended for something. Uh, I think it'll be for a season. I, I, I do think it'll be for a full season, at least. Uh, there has been precedent, and that's about what the precedent is. So that frees up about $40 million, whatever it is. Do I think Clayton Kershaw is going to ask for $30 million a year again? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Uh, I don't know how many times I have to say this. I don't know how many uh, on, on different platforms and, and social on Twitter and, and, and using my voice. This dude's made close to 300 million on the field, not including endorsements. He's not going to penny pinch the Dodgers. If him taking a slight discount, not a huge discount, but a slight discount, let's say 20 million to keep Max Scherzer. I can guarantee you he's going to do that. I can, I can literally guarantee you he's going to do that. He's not going to penny pinch over five to ten million dollars. Look, these these Dodgers owners can get creative with how they want to pay him. They can do some other kind of stuff where it's something involved with the team. That's just what super rich people do to help out their super rich friends. So look, they're not gonna they're not gonna lose Max Scherzer because Clayton Kershaw is gonna ask for 30 million a year. That's not happening. Period. Now, if you get Corey Seager's contract involved and want to pay him, that's a different story. Uh, but if 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 it's between Scherzer and Kershaw and they're they're in communication with each other as they have been all year. They've been having a bromance with their post-game quotes and pre-game quotes since they've been teammates. You got Scherzer gushing on on Kershaw and Kershaw gushing on Scherzer. Scherzer's indicated that he wants to stay. So look, if they want if they want to stay, they'll stay. And I and I can tell you one other thing, and I'll shut up. Clayton Kershaw's not thrown one pitch for another team his entire career. He will retire a Dodger. Period. And also, you were talking about them gushing about each other. Max Scherzer did say that he wants to see Kershaw get his 3,000th strikeout. He wants yeah. to be there for that. So read into that with what you, you know, however you want to. Um, but it would be cool to see Scherzer return, Kershaw return, and Seeger return. I'm not sure if all of that is feasible, but again, it does, it, it is based on what happens with. Uh, Trevor Bauer. 
I will say this though, and I said it on I said it on Twitter. I'm all in on Corey Seager. I I I love him. Um, and 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 I think Kevin's made me a uh, a a lifer, a Corey Seager lifer, a, a real believer in him. Um, it, he the way the way he swings the bat is just far and away better than most people in Major League Baseball. He's one of the best hitters in the game, um, and he's proven that he can stay healthy. Um, if, you know, he has control over it, 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 you know, it was, you know, a little bit of a, you know, touch and go there 2018. I didn't know if he would ever, you know, be the same, but what he did in the postseason for 2020, uh, what he did during the season in 2020 and getting us a world series title. I mean, you know, I, I will never slander him again, um, from here on out. Uh, his defense is a little sus, but even still coming back off the injury, he's been great. Um, and yeah, I, I, I would pay, I would pay Corey Seager big bucks to stay in LA. I, I would love to see that. I'd love to see him and Trey, him, him and Trey Turner in LA for a long time. That would be cool. Great. Yeah. I'll save my Seager stuff. Cause we actually have a question about that, so, but we'll get to him in a few minutes. I still think Clayton Kershaw 25 million is what it's going to take a year to keep him in Los Angeles. I think he's earned that right. I do think that is a slight discount from what his market value could be. But that, that's a whole off-season story that just remains to be seen. And the last thing I want to just add with Scherzer, obviously he picked up his 3,000th career strikeout in Los Angeles, which I didn't know was a harder feat than getting 3,000 career hits. So that's really impressive as a pitcher. And lastly, he loves throwing to Will Smith and Austin Barnes. You can just tell both all those guys have a great repertoire. And I don't think Scherzer's leaving. And I also think Kershaw could retire a Dodger. doesn't necessarily mean there's a little – team in between that but here here's my question though and and we may not know the answer to this at this point but if the dodgers win the world series does does kershaw just say i'm i'm good with that maybe yeah yeah and and the thing yeah and the thing is guys about kershaw everyone seems to think he wants to go back to play in texas i can't see him going to play for the hated Astros or the Trastros or the Asterix, whatever you guys want to call them. It's not going to be a Ranger either. Or he's not going to be a Ranger either. Like if Atlanta or the Yankees or the Red Sox or one of those teams, the St. Louis Cardinals, that would at least make sense because those are contending teams where they may just, they may feel, Hey, we're a Clayton Kershaw way in our rotation from doing some serious don't, damage. Don't forget the forward. angels. I feel like people are just ruling them out. That's still technically Los Angeles, even though it's not right. But and Mike Trout and Otani and Kershaw, that would sell a lot of tickets it, if they want to overpay him. It would, but that team is still far off. I could see him going to a contender. That's at least got an opportunity to, go to a world series or make a deep run into October over the next few years, if he were to leave LA. Uh, So I I just, that's something to keep in mind. One more thing to keep in mind. There are six key free agents, two position players, two starters, two relievers that the Dodgers got to make decisions on this off season, uh, this off season. And in my opinion, you might have enough to bring back three or four contingent on the Bauer contract situation. I think it's going to be extremely difficult to bring back all six unless guys are cool taking pay cuts. But if they end up winning at all and their value is at max peak, they may need to cash in their chips, even if it means going to a lesser organization so that they can get that, the, those money bags to, like I said, maximize the, that value and, and secure the rest of their career. Yeah. Can I, just, can I just get into some numbers real quick? 
All right. So the, the Dodgers payroll this year is 267 million. That is light years beyond the luxury tax. Go to 2022. Currently on the books, 150 million. Uh, that doesn't include arbitration. So when you factor right. in that that doesn't include arbitration, they're going to be past the luxury tax next year, guaranteed. Period. And once you're past the luxury tax, you're going to spend. You you are going to spend. So I don't want to hear anybody saying they can't afford to bring guys back. They absolutely can. Uh, because you go to 2023, the number of committed money goes to 107 million. 2024, 30 million. All right, you got Mookie Betts and that's it. Uh, obviously not including uh, arbitration, but you know that's, that's just how it goes. So look, the Dodgers are going over the luxury tax next year. I believe in 2023, they will try to be just under it again so they can reset the penalties. Uh, but they have the money to do this. They absolutely have the money to sign Kershaw, Seager, uh, and Scherzer, period. Uh, I think Kenley Jansen will be the one who, who is headed out of town and possibly Chris Taylor. It's, so it's not a, it's not a question of can it's a, it's a question of will they or won't they not exactly. can yeah. or that can't it's, yeah. it's, it's will the Guggenheim group will Friedman look over at Caston and magic and Mark Walter and Peter Goober and be like, all right, what are you guys cool with before I start making any moves? Uh, and, and tell me, tell me my, my boundaries here. If this is a basketball court, 90 feet, where's my out of bounds? Yep. Absolutely. Speaking of Kenley Jansen, just wanted to throw this in there real quick. Uh, Last 15 innings, man has been on a mission. 060 ERA, and he's matching that with an 060 whip. Kenley Jansen, you know, I hate I say this every time. Like, I don't want to call him the closer, but he's definitely one of the top closers right now for the Dodgers. And it's just nice to have him go out there and not have to sweat your ass off every time he's closing these games out for the Dodgers. The movement is back, which is great. We saw that the beginning of the season, the velocity was there. He was hitting 97, but his last time out closing a game against the diamondbacks. I mean, the dude was throwing 93, but the thing was moving. I mean, it had such great movement to it. I'm um, talking about the cutter and then he's got a great little breaking ball uh, that not a lot of people talk about. It's really, really tight and it really, really works. Um, so he has figured it out. Whatever workout program he did in the offseason has really helped him this season. He had a little bit of a hiccup uh, towards the middle part of this season when he blew back-to-back games against the Giants, which was not ideal, not the team you really want to blow games against. Yep. Um, and we're, we're paying for it in the standings right now. So, you know, No one wants to talk about that, but you know, we, we would be leading the division if, if we were able to secure a couple more of those really winnable games against the Giants this year. As it stands, you know, the, the season series was that we won nine games and lost 10. So um, I think we could have been better than that. But at any rate, Kenley Jansen's been awesome and he deserves, uh, he deserves respect. He deserves the Clayton Kershaw treatment, in my opinion, at this point. Um, what he's shown, the grit he's shown, um, the the domination that he's shown, and the leadership that he's shown on the field is, you know, second to none, really. And hey, if you told me this is what we were going to get this year in the offseason, I would have told you you were absolutely crazy. And in fact, I did because I didn't think Kenley Jansen was a high leverage reliever anymore. And I was proven completely wrong and I couldn't be happier about it. Yep. Um, Mariano Rivera, Trevor Hoffman. Lee Smith, Dennis Eckersley, and when it's all said and done, Kenley Jansen, top five closers of all time. 
Think about that. This is a position where you are here today and gone tomorrow. Yep. Unless you're one of those names I just mentioned. The only other guy who's done what Kenley has done over the last eight or nine years has been a Roldis Chapman. And if you ask Yankee fans, it's been a roller coaster with him too, to where he has been bounced from, from his position as closer every now and then. And this is the Cuban missile. This is a guy who could throw 102, 103 miles per hour. So uh, we've got to appreciate not just what Kenley has done as far as the saves, but how long he has done it for, yep. because it, the, longevity. the longevity is something that is so rare. Think about this. The giants won three world series in five years. They had three different closers in each of those world series runs, Brian Wilson in 2010, he fizzled out Sergio Romo in 2012. He got demoted. And then Santiago Casilla in 2014, he was out of the league two years later. This is a volatile. How do you even position. remember that shit, man? Jesus. <laughs> I, Santiago Casilla. Jesus yeah, Christ. That's a, that, that is a good, that's a deep cut. Isn't yeah. he uh didn't he get busted with a fake name? Isn't, yes. isn't he that guy? Uh, I'm not too sure. I think a fake age maybe, but I'm not okay. sure about a fake, a fake I am, name. I'll, I'll, I'll look into that. <laughs> anyway, ahead. anyway, so my point is it's a volatile position that is very difficult to have some sort of sustained success. And I could think of many relievers who uh, won a World Series with the team and you never heard from them again. Names like uh, Jason Mott, names like Joel Zamaya. Uh, I mean, uh, Kent, uh, who was the other guy from, from the Red Sox? Even, uh, even Craig Kendra. Kimbrell. Yeah, you know? Keith, yeah, Keith Folk, Craig, Craig, uh, Craig Kimbrell. Like Ken Heath, Giles Heath Bell. That. Heath yeah. Bell was, was good Heath for him. Bell, minute. Brad Lidge. Uh, I mean, a lot of these guys who had great runs, even two, three, four-year stretches, which aren't bad, but then they fizzle out either because of inconsistencies or their arms blow out or some sort of issue. So I just hope we appreciate what Kenley Jansen has been able to do. And Jake, you know, just looking at it in the micro uh, view that, that you had, you took the words right out of my mouth. The breaking ball has not been talked about. That might be the pitch that has saved his career and really saved his season because the cutter, you know, you flip a coin. Is it going to be a good night or a bad night with the cutter? We don't know because he's not always able to command it, but now that he's able to go to that curveball and breaking ball a little bit more, it, he can still get out and induce soft contact, which allows him to get uh, the final three outs of a game and, and lock down a win for the Dodgers. So hopefully that continues. Yeah, yeah. and no one's really hitting him either. It's, it, you know, his his downfall or his Achilles heel are, are the walks. And so if he keeps those down, nobody can touch him really. Yeah. Oh, one more name I want. I should add to the list of great closers. Troy Percival should be on that <laughs> list as well. Yes. Yeah, I was trying to get in there. And, uh, Ken, Ken Giles, you know, he was the Astros closer in 2017, and they couldn't wait to get rid of him. Like the moment. Ken they, Giles, yeah. There you go. Heated. So I mean, it's and uh, Keith Folk. Keith Folk oh, was a name. And and the name I was missing in 2013, Koji Uehara. Koji Uehara. He was there. <laughs> it was lights out for the Red Sox when they won it all in 2013. But my that's my point, guys. Is that here today, gone tomorrow. You yep. could have the, the best two, three months of a season, and then that's it. You're, you completely fizzle out to the point where you're just another rung in the ladder. Yeah, or if you're Santiago Casilla, you're Gyro Garcia one day, and then you get exposed, and then you become your actual name, which was Santiago Casilla. <laughs> my, my memory did not fail me. I, I, I just looked it up. Jansen's been the closer for the Dodgers since 2013. That's a very long time. Also, I, also uh, Edwin Diaz for the for the Mets. He was yeah. un, unstoppable with the Mariners. And then as soon as he got put on the Mets, he's been terrible. Jim Johnson, 50, 50 Jim Johnson, 
51 saves for the 2013 Baltimore Orioles. And what happened with him? Nobody, nobody wanted him. He was a well, disaster. The Dodgers wanted him and it backfired big time. <laughs> yeah. George, George Sherrill. Remember him? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Also George Sherrill with this kind of hat. Look yeah. Yeah. He had, a little, he had the little Fernando the Rodney flat, look. The flat brim. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We're going to kick this show into overdrive. The Dodgers obviously swept the San Diego Padres once again. They now lead the season series nine games to seven. Each of you just give me one takeaway from that beatdown. Mine is that the Dodgers shut out the Padres twice. Yes. Um, this is the one thing that came to my mind. Maybe I'll have something in a little bit after uh, David and Chris go, but um, Trey Turner has done this a couple times this season with the Dodgers. He's basically knocked in runs with his legs by beating by beating a ball out he he did it last night where he it was a it was two outs runner at third and he just basically hit a routine ground ball to the second baseman but was able to beat it out and that's crazy to me too because you have to be extra fast to beat that out coming from the right-handed batter's batter's box as opposed to the left-handed hitter's batter's box the dude is on unbelievable and he is such a treasure that we have um, to be able to create RBIs with your legs is something that not a lot of people can do. My one takeaway from the Padres getting swept by the Dodgers for the second time in a row is that's why you don't talk shit in April. That's, that's why you don't talk shit in April. Hungry Period. for more, baby. Hungry for uh, more. And you know, my other takeaway is maybe they aren't built for 162 game season maybe they were built for the 60 game season how about that it's not how about it it's a for sure we could talk about how they traded eric lauer away who was their one dodger stopper and he's Mm. having a better season overall than blake snell who they gave up one of their top pitching prospects for Mm. you darvish has been an absolute disgrace to the entire sport ever since they took away the sticky stuff his era is in the sevens, I want to say, and he's like two and nine. How about that? How about that Mariners trade where they got Nola and, and Austin Adams by yeah. giving up uh, Ty France, Taylor Trammell, and a couple other guys? Awful. Yeah. Awful. Austin Adams, all he does is throw sliders and hit batters, oh. and Austin Nola is the definition of mediocre. And, then, and, don't, and don't forget, Renfro and Margot are probably going to go to the playoffs. Renfro is in, it's in Boston. Margot has been a really solid presence in Tampa Bay. So, yeah, there's that aspect of it. And I think they have been deflated, and I could be wrong on this. They have been deflated and moving backwards since the Scherzer trade that was announced and then got pulled back. They have not been the same since then. They ended up striking out the rest of that uh, trade deadline. I think the biggest thing that they got was Jake Marisnik. I mean, Fra- Adam Frazier and, and Adam Frazier. No, no, but they got Frazier before that. I'm talking about actually all oh, at the, at the, deadline, at the yeah. actual deadline. So they have just kind of been moving in a backwards direction since then. They don't, they look lifeless. Uh, I agree. The two shutouts that they had, Kevin, that was a great point. Also too, the biggest takeaway that I had, they lost two key components that could end up hurting them. Uh, from getting into that second wild card spot. They lost Jake Cronenworth, who has a fractured hand, and Blake Snell with the growing injury. Those have been two of their bright spots, especially the second half of the season. And now they may not have them uh, you know, going into October. So that was a big takeaway for me. The other name that I wanted to throw in that mix of just bad trades, they traded Cal Quantrill, who was a yep. pretty solid right hand 137 though. innings pitched this season. He has a 289 ERA. They traded him... For Mike Clevenger, 
who was not good in my opinion, who blew out his arm in like one start for the Padres and they didn't even get him this entire season. And Lamont has been hurt the entire year. They don't have a five-man rotation. They're doing bullpen games and mixing that with Jake Arrieta and Vince Velasquez, who they just picked up. <laughs> yeah. who, who, even if they make the playoffs, can't be on their roster. Yeah, a couple of uh, Phillies, a couple of Philly leftovers. So they, they, went, they went sniffing through the, the garbage bins of Philadelphia to get those two guys out. Yes, so did we, and Cole Hamels didn't work out. So yeah. there's that. <laughs> yeah, but you know Danny what, Duffy though? Too. Danny, Danny Duffy, man. I'm not Jeez. saying there's anything wrong with blue binning. We, we know that sometimes there could be uh, an item of gold in, in the clearance bin. I see Max Muncie and see Chris Taylor. Hell, even see Phil Bickford uh, as far as that goes. But yeah, it hasn't really worked out. But they've done it out of desperation because it's like we don't have enough arms to fill out a rotation. We're not going to, I mean, how many bullpen games can we do a week over here? I I have a quick question um, about Phil Bickford. Are we were are we a little worried about him? I mean, he's been he's been a little vulnerable last few outings, uh, giving up some giving up some runs. Um, I'm not sure if we should be worried about that or is it just kind of a a blip on the screen. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I mean, this is a guy who was pitching, frankly, out of his mind for a good portion of the season, a a two month stretch where I don't even remember him giving up a run. So frankly, I think this is just a little bit uh, of two factors, more of a regression to reality Mm -hmm. and a little bit uh, overuse. I think that's, that's what it comes down to. I'd love to see them, uh, you know, limit his appearances as best they can down this next two week stretch. Uh, But in, in, in terms of your question, no, I'm not concerned. If, if you want to, you know, bump Vestia above him in the high leverage order. I think they're, they're both hand in hand right now already. Uh, then be my guess. But when, when the game's on the line, you're going to see Trinan and Jansen as the two guys period. Yeah. Uh, David, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I'm just going to call it two different things. I'm going to call it fatigue and adjustments. Yeah. Uh, he's worked a lot, probably more so than any other Dodger reliever this season. And he's done that because Knable and Kelly missed significant time. So maybe the velocity isn't quite there. Maybe the command isn't quite there. And the reason why I say adjustments, opponents have now seen enough of Phil Bickford where guess what? They're game planning for him. Similar to what we saw early in the season with Victor Gonzalez. Remember, Victor Gonzalez destroyed everybody last year, including in October. Guess what? Now we've got game filled. Now we are game planning for you. We know what you're going to throw. We know how you're going to throw it. And we are going to make life difficult on you. So in order for, for Bickford, maybe taking a few more days off between outings would help. And also uh, tweaking some of the adjustments to, to make up for the adjustments that have been made against him. So you're adjusting against the adjustments, if that makes sense. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Four home runs over his last 10 innings. Yeah. Here's the big question that we were that was waiting for. From Josh the Flip, at this point in the season, with how everyone has played, re-signing Corey Seager is a must, right? So I said Max Scherzer was number one. Well, my number two is Corey Seager. I've adjusted the number in my head a little bit. I think it's going to take eight years, a little over $30 million annually to keep him. I think that injury did hurt his market value just a little bit. And honestly... So that's, what is that, like $240 million? ish Okay. And, Two reasons being one, I think the Lindor contract is making teams hesitate on these 10 year deals. That's been pretty bad for the Mets. And two, frankly, most teams around major league baseball are cheap. So I'm having a hard time imagining what teams are going to want to pay a shortstop when you have cheaper guys out, out there, such as Carlos Correa, Marcus Simeon, 
even maybe Javi Trevor Baez. Year, Javi Baez. Yep. Thank yeah. you for that. Was the one I was trying to think of, and maybe even Trevor Story to an extent. Yeah. And then other guys, other other teams will have guys in their farm system, such as the Arizona Diamondbacks. So that is a far cheaper route. So I, you know, the Yankees are obviously a threat. I don't know if I see that, but anyways, back to why Corey Seager is a a must sign. The Dodgers are now 32 and 12 since he made his return from the IL. Now, obviously, that's not all Corey Seager. It's a team no. sport. But before Seager's return off the IL, this team was just 20 games above 500. Now they're 41 games above 500. Late and close, he's an OPS slightly over 1,000. With runners in scoring position, 348 batting average. Chris called Turner the soul. You called Muncie. What was, what was it you called Muncie? stabilizing force stabilizing force Corey Seager is the anchor of this team when you need that guy to drive in the clutch runs Corey Seager is usually that guy Jake already referred to what he did in the postseason Seager for the most part when healthy he's been clutched this season overall in the season he's a 282 batting average 374 on base the power obviously isn't there like last year he only has nine home runs but this Dodgers team when you have Seager in the lineup and now He's a positive defender on defense in some statistical categories, such as defensive runs saved. You got to bring him back there because this consistency, he's not a streaky hitter for the most part. He's always consistent. He doesn't have those cotton hot and cold dry spells. You know what you're getting from Corey Seager and just throw him the money. Yeah. And I also like where they've, where they've put him in the batting order too, which is right in the middle. It's either fifth or fourth. Um, I think that that's a really good spot for him. Last year he was hitting second consistently and that, and that really worked with him and Mookie Betts at the top. But I almost want to give Seager more of an opportunity to have more runners on base than just the one ahead of him. So if, you've, if you're getting Mookie on base, if you're getting Trey Turner on base, that's two guys right there. Muncie too can get on base too via walk. You 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 put the bit you put the guys on base for for the guys after them that typically do drive in the runs with runners in scoring position and who are your better your your best hitters in those situations? It's Turner, it's Seager, and it's Will Smith. Um, the, the that's a perfect uh, recipe for success, and we've and we've seen that lineup being rolled out time and time again, and I love it. And I, I'm on board with you, Kevin. I think uh, Corey Seager has proven that. He not only can be that clutch bat, but he can stay on the field if, if you know, barring any freak accident like getting hit on the hand or something like that. But he he is a guy I wouldn't mind spending a ton of money on. Um, you know, who knows what who knows what's going to happen uh, in terms of his injuries or if he becomes injury prone after he signs the contract. But having having him. I right now I would I I would go with Seager over Bellinger. Maybe that's recency bias, but I've just just seeing what Corey Seager can do uh, on a consistent basis. Now Cody Bellinger has been clutch, but not as consistently as Seager. Yeah, that's a great point. And my theory on Seager goes a little deeper. It's not just about keeping him for the meantime. I'm also thinking about the future of third base. And when you look at guys at Seager's size, A-Rod, Machado, Cal Ripken, they've eventually made that move to third base. And given the fact that Justin Turner may not be here after this contract expires, he may retire, or he may end up going moving to a bench role, I theoretically would like to see Corey Seager spend first part of that contract back at shortstop, but then eventually make that move to third base. And who knows, maybe that allows you to keep Trey Turner in Dodger blue and put him at his more natural position 
uh, at shortstop. So just something. And then, and to- then you have, and then you have Lux at second. Potentially. Yeah. Or you keep Chris Taylor there or somebody else through the year second and and left have kind of been the two revolving platoon, you know, revolving door platoon positions for the Dodgers. So, um, but yeah, the Yankees, Kevin, you you pointed them out. They could be the one team that could give the Dodgers a run for their money. We know that they would love to have another left-handed power bat in the middle of that order with the short porch over in, in right field, not to mention they can move LeMahieu over at first base and it allows them to keep Glaber Torres. So over at second, we don't know. Uh, and, and it's such a deep shortstop market. It's hard to know who out of those four guys is going to lead the, the, that market, because not even just the shortstop market, those four guys are probably going to lead the free agency class altogether uh, in the winter of 2021. So I think Seager, Oh man, it would be tough to see him leave Dodger blue, but I genuinely think he wants to test out free agency. And if the Dodgers are able to say, Hey, this is what we're willing to offer you. If you're willing to work with us, we'd love to keep you here, but you got to do what's best for you. Yeah. We'll see what happens. (laughs) We'll see what happens, man. it's It's also hard to find guys that are good batters, good bats with two outs. Seager's been that guy. He's a 281 batting average with two outs. Right. Also, it looks like the Dodgers are going to be a game back in yep. a minute. They're, the Padres are up 7-2 to in the eighth. Awesome. Yep. You love to see it. Padres got three left with Cincinnati, then three at Colorado, yeah. then three at Arizona, and then you come home for the final six games of the year, three versus San Diego and three versus Milwaukee. Those first three series are when they need to make their move. Uh, you got nine games versus very beatable teams. Uh, if you can win eight of them, you're going to take the division. That's, that's my prediction. Uh, the giants, they lost two in a row, but I'm not anticipating a complete collapse. They do play the Braves this weekend. So I would expect at least one loss. Uh, so if the giants, if the Dodgers can sweep the reds, you're going to, you're going to have a tie, uh, in my opinion for the division starting next week. Uh, when you go to Colorado and Arizona. So this is, these are the nine games where if you want the division, it's now. And also too, I I just want to point this out about that series against the red. This is uh, against the Cincinnati reds. They haven't seen them, I think since may. So this is a great situation because this could be a potential wild card game matchup. So now you get to see an accurate uh, portrayal of what the Cincinnati Reds could look like in a one game playoff as far as hitters and pitching. So you can kind of come up with a strategy, what works and what doesn't work. So I think this yep. series could not have come at a better time for LA and Cincy. And also, uh, are, are we seeing starters are, yep. Uh, Castillo gray and Miley. So nice. whoever is going to, yeah. one of those guys, if we play in the wallet card game, will be pitching or Wade two Miley, Wade Miley, the Dodger killer. Don't forget 2018 NLCS. Yeah, yeah, that's true. On <laughs> yeah. the flip side, Bueller, Scherzer, and Kershaw will be going for the Dodgers. The Reds are one game back of the St. Louis Cardinals for that second wild card spot. So the Reds definitely are going to be scrap- scrapping their way because they want to make the playoffs. I don't really have a lot of intel on the Reds. I don't follow them very deeply. But one bat that I always am inclined to follow is Joey Votto. I just love that guy. Rejuvenation season for him. He's got 30 home runs on the season. But over the last month's stretch or so, he's been kind of cold with a 198 batting average. Nick Castellanos is a left-handed killer. He hits a lot of home runs and has a high batting average as well. And then Jesse Winker, who was off to a red-hot start, I think he is hurt or something. I don't know if we're seeing him or not. But, yeah, this Reds team. Jonathan India is going to be a rookie of the year. Yeah, Eugenio Suarez, you can't sleep on him. He's he's really solid. So they they just have a really good team. David Bell's done a nice job over there since taking over. 
Yes. So yeah, that's, that's all I got today. Any final thoughts or any other segments you guys wanted to cover real quick? No. All right. Good. I think I said what I needed to say. If they want the division, it's, it's these next nine games or bust. Yeah. Yeah. I think a seven and two road trip, six and three road trip would be nice. You know, just keep taking two out of three. If you can get the occasional sweep, great. Just don't go into Colorado and drop two out of three. If you sweep Cincinnati and you drop two out of three to Arizona or Colorado, come on, man. Yes. Yeah. All right. You, you, need eight, you need eight out of nine, gentlemen. You need eight out of nine. <laughs> Dave getting greedy. I love it. One game back, still enough time to catch the Giants. The Padres uh, and Giants still will have six more games, and the Padres are right there in the wild card hunt as well. Two and two. I wish the Padres won that series, but I'll take it considering they started off 0 and 2. Thank you, San Diego. You're finally making yourself useful. Make sure to. What, go ahead, Jake. I was just going to say one final thing. If we don't take eight out of the next nine, I don't want to be in a situation where we have to have a must-win series versus the Brewers. Even though I think the Dodgers can beat the Brewers, the Brewers are, are really tough, and they've got an even better rotation than the Reds do. Right. I still think they'll be resting their starters for that series. but It's possible, yeah. But yeah. We don't have to worry about that yet. Hot take. I'd rather just play the wild card game itself as opposed to playing a game 163 with the risk of then going into a wild card game after that, I'd rather just get it over with, but that's my hot take there. Thank you guys for listening. Make sure to subscribe to the Incline Dodgers, wherever you get your podcasts, follow us on Twitter, make sure to follow Chris Camello. All our descriptions and Twitter handles will be below. Chris, thank you so much for joining us today on the Incline. Hope you had a blast. Why don't you close out the show? Thank you guys so much. It's always a pleasure to be on uh, talking Dodgers and talking baseball. It's, it's fun, man. I feel like I'm right at home over here. It's not even work. This was, this was like me talking to my buddies over here. So appreciate the time. Thanks again for having me. Be sure to uh, follow me on Twitter at Chris underscore Camelo uh, on Instagram. See Camelo one Facebook Camelo's corner by Chris Camelo and download and follow all my podcasts on all major streaming platforms. Thanks again, fellas. All right. Your Dodgers are red hot right now. Six games in a row that they've won. I'm signing out here from Hawaii. <laughs> Aloha. <laughs> Aloha. Thanks, thanks Aloha. Kevin. Aloha, dude. Mahalo. <laughs> Mahalo. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.